Brothers, issue number four. This week we're covering The Last Flight Out, and in our third variant, we'll be reviewing the movie Shang-Chi. 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 Yeah. Shang-Chi. You made a big point about that. Shang-Chi. <laughs> I first want to start off with apologizing. Last week we said that we were going to be covering The Last Ronin. Unfortunately, IDW decided to switch around the dates, so this week we'll be covering The Last Flight. We'll see about covering The Last Ronin sometime in the future. But for now, I want to introduce you to the team. To my right, I have my variant brother, L Charms. What up, what up, what up? Next, I have my variant brother, Young G. I'm going to yell in the mic halfway through the podcast. And last but not least, I have my variant brother, Mad D. OMG. All right, guys, before we kick it off, I'm going to start with the what if question. Now, what if the world was actually ending? How do you think the world is going to end? I'll start off. I think... The world is going to end alien invasion. You know, I just I see it in our future. We're just fighting amongst each other. And aliens are going to swoop in and be like, oh, look, free planet, you know? And we're all going to be like, hey, not our planet, but it's going to be way too late. <laughs> is that because you've been reading all those undocumented or unclassified papers where the government's like, yeah, UFOs are out there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Been reading up on my Area 51 lore, Area 52 that they don't want you to know about, but it's out there. I believe. All right, Charles, what about you? I'm going to say super volcano. I mean, it's going to go out in a bang. I'm really hoping that that's, well, I guess I'm not Whoa. hoping that. I'm not hoping that that happens. <laughs> let, me re- let me take that Damn. back. Let me take that back. I am pro-Earth staying populated. <laughs> let me take that back. But Charles got money on volcano destruction. <laughs> hey, man, I'm bidding with Galactus over here. Either he comes first or, you know, <laughs> the volcanoes take us out. But yeah, I'm going to go with Super Volcano. That be like that. If anything takes us out, it's probably going to be Super Volcano. Sounds hot. Young G, what about you? Um, I'm going to have to say it's going to come from the inside of Earth. Like, like a Super Volcano? Like, <laughs> more so like, uh, I don't know, an abyss-like creature, maybe an Unmaker. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Right. okay. For Yo. all those who want to know about the Unmaker, check out last week's podcast on Marvel's Dark Ages. How about you, Maddie? For me, probably... Meteor, right? Something falling, you know, from up above. Oh. And we won't be able to stop it because it's so powerful, like Supernova, something like that. I don't know if you ever saw this really old film, Armageddon. (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) Yeah, I think we got our meteorites covered. (laughs) All right, guys. Now we're going to pass it off to L Charms for the summary. Get in the chopper for the last flight out, number one. It's the end of the world. Global warming and COVID-19 have taken the world out. One man dedicates his whole life to saving mankind by designing the arcs, spaceships traveling off-world. But he's also neglected his daughter, and now she refuses to ride on any of these arcs. Can our savior and a team of soldiers convince his daughter to leave Earth? Find out in the last flight out. All right. Woo! I really want to read this now. <laughs> uh, we, we did. We, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we did read it. <laughs> That's why it's the cow. It's called (laughs) Comic of the Week. I'm acting as the audience. All right, guys. So what did you think of this comic? I'm going to start off by saying it felt kind of long. But just full disclosure, we usually are really prepared for this podcast. We've had a rough week, and three of us actually read this out loud to each other. We acted it out. It was great. It was great. It was amazing. We should have hit record. I'm sorry, fans. Maddie? For me, I really, really 
hate the dad. <laughs> uh, the dad is Ben. He is so focused. Dr. Ben. Dr. Ben. Yeah, I really hate him. He, like I said, like you guys said, he neglected his daughter. Not only that, but also his wife. You know, he neglected by like not being there when she was pregnant or giving birth. He wasn't or feeling, you know, the conversation when the police cop, you know, called saying like, oh, his wife, you know, passed away during the crash because he was like arguing like, oh, why are you bothering me? After, you know, the mother died, then he neglects his daughter afterwards. So it's like, I hate this dude. Like, just stop focusing, you know, pause on your damn work and focus, you know, around you, you know, like your wife and daughter, you know, like share that love, you know, so that share that expression. And, you know, that feelings is like, oh, I hate this character, but the writer did a good job. You know, it's like Game of Thrones. You know, we hate Cersei's, we hate Jeffrey, but we do respect, you know, the character. That's how I feel on this one. I was going to say, man, he, he saved the world. Did he, though? Did he? I mean, he, <laughs> sa- he saved humanity, at least. Like, yeah, you're right. He didn't save the world, but at least he's, he's trying to save humanity. I mean, I'm not saying cut him some slack, but cut him some slack, man. I agree with Matt D. I don't hate him, but I do dislike him. I don't know about you guys, but I really got a feeling like he's like a Elon Musk, Tony Stark kind of guy, you know, always in his lab, always tinkering with stuff. You know, everybody else kind of falls to the wayside, which is kind of surprising why at the end it was just kind of like, wait, you know, I can't leave without my daughter. Like, all yeah. of a sudden, like, what's that about? Yeah. It's been 30 some years. It's called guilt, guys. It's called guilt. He doesn't feel it for 30 years, and then one day exactly. he's just like, look, All of a sudden. I gotta go, I gotta go back. You know, like, it was, it was a very instantaneous change for me, but it was very well done in the book. Like, the, the book is very well structured. You, you guys say, it's like, oh, it, it happened instantaneous, his, his daughter, you know, he feels guilty. Well, you gotta remember that time jumps that happen are huge. What are we talking, a couple of years, a couple of decades at each time? I think we start in, like, 2024 and we work our way basically to 2055 that's that's 25 years that's 25 years worth of guilt in like 32 pages like come on guys cut him some slack he is gonna feel guilty after that i wonder the reason why he goes after his daughter in the end is because maybe she has something of his in possession maybe that could probably be like like out there like his dna like, like, you can always make more DNA. Let me tell you that. The DNA did not matter for thirty years. <laughs> but what if Maddie's onto something and she's got like you know like a little charm or bracelet that yeah. allows the third spaceship to take artifact off? or yeah. something? You know, wow, you I, doubt really I doubt it. I doubt it. This character, man, like, like, he's got to have some ulterior motive for wanting his daughter in his life. All of a sudden, in the end, yeah. I'm just I, telling I don't you know about that. Like, I'm not feeling. Are you, are you guys? Uh, you guys brought up Elon Musk and Tony Stark. But no, what you guys are bringing up is Rick Sanchez. Like, let's be honest with you. That's who you're bringing up from Rick and Morty. To El Charm's point, I feel like because the world is ending, you know, if his daughter dies, like that's it. Like the relationship is over. You know, there's no chance at all for like a reconnection. So I do feel like he's like, okay, I have to save her. In order for there to be a chance of maybe one day there might be a reconnection, you know, because obviously if she dies, that's it, you know, unless he can build a machine to the afterlife. But, you know, he's not picking up his wife anytime soon. So, yeah, but does it have to go to like that point, you know, to reach with your daughter? You know, why not all those years that when he had a chance of doing it? saving humanity i'm just saying like i'm not trying to defend him here he could pause for a bit even for a second pick up a phone nothing 
I, I don't know, man. 25 years to build an ark is actually really good time. I'm just going to say that right now. Designing a whole spaceship for most of humanity and making three of those in 25 years? I don't know. That's a, that's good time for me, man. I mean, I agree he was wrong. He was a horrible father. But given otherwise, like he's making the arcs that are going to save humanity. That's, I mean, that I, I'm not saying it's justified. I'm just saying it's definitely a reason. One last point to push the Tony Stark narrative. Tony Stark created time travel and still had time to tuck his daughter into bed at night. All right? I'm just saying, you know, you Tony can do both. A, you can do both. You save all the humanity. Tony Stark's a super genius. Like, we don't know how genius this guy is. He got on a helicopter. Created three arcs. It's pretty super genius to me. And he has an AI that answers his phone calls for him. Yeah, I, I got Alexa, too. Alexa, answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for everyone who we triggered Alexa for. Oh yeah, but I, how do we know like Earth is gonna like vanish or destroyed? You know, they're not hundred percent sure, right? We are that's not hundred percent. Okay, that's that's basically what this issue boils down to: is do you believe scientists or not? I suppose. Yeah, because that's I think that's the B plot to this whole thing, or I guess oddly enough, yeah, because the A plot is the the father and his daughter, his relationship with his daughter, but the B mm-hmm. plot for this whole story is the fact that the people of this earth don't believe in science or at least they're, they're kind of the same earth that we're in now that you have climate deniers, you have COVID deniers. Yeah. Now you have uh, the people, I believe they're called dead earth deniers or something like that. Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't really believe that the earth is going to be uninhabitable. So we don't know for sure. A hundred percent if the earth is going to be uninhabited or not, but we do kind of see that, you know, the military is kind of taking over things. And, you know, when he does go to look for his daughter, you know, he gets this armed platoon that's going with him. So if there's really nothing out there, I don't know why they would send out a whole armed platoon of people. Not only that, they have like a time limit. So they only have within like 24 hours or less yeah, to because get the, her. Yeah, because they're about to take off. Right, right. So it's either, uh, what was it? The the phrase? A, uh, a go or no go? or All right, guys. So. Let's give our final thoughts and uh, wrap this up. L-Charms? All right. Again, we read this book out loud. We acted it out for each other. We were we were pretending to be the characters, or at least the character voices in this comic book. So I really had fun doing that. I think we should do that more often. Uh, the story itself, yeah, it's a great captivating story. I like the idea. I like this whole, you know, sci-fi take on it. But when it comes to my ratings as stash or trash, I'm going to actually have to put this one in the stash. But... With a question mark. I mean, depending how the second issue goes, I might trash the whole thing because it does have this like great, great story. It has great potential, but I could also see it going south really quickly. All right. Young G? As for myself, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. I like where the story could go. Uh, the idea that Ultrams was alluding to about it's a race against time. So you could kind of see why he wouldn't have time for, you know, his daughter. But in the end, it's like it's, it's a character that you would love to hate. But in the end, like he probably has good intentions of like, oh, if I save humanity, then then that's the time I could spend with my daughter. But it, it really depends where what direction it wants to go to. So I, I give it a seven and I, I hope to see what the second one could bring. Hopefully it could uh, bring the grade up. Oh, nice. Nice. Good hearing from you. Good hearing from you. Yeah, Young G, why don't you back up my point during the conversation? I was, but it jumped to, <laughs> what is it, plot B with the professors and the cooks and the cops. All right, Matt D. What did you think of this? For me, I really like how they set it up in the beginning. Again, I hate the character, 
but I do respect the writer. In the end, it did kind of held that vibe, I guess, him of searching for his daughter with, you know, G.I. Joe's. So overall, I'm going to give it a Kawabunga. All right. Yeah. Shout out to the G.I. Joe's. <laughs> Go um, Joe. The Snake Eyes movie came out. What? No, no, it didn't. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as for me, I'll have to give this a C plus. Like Young G said, um, it does sound very interesting in a way that it could go. I have my theories, but I really want to wait until the next book to see whether or not you know how things change and what's out there. Like I said, most of my criteria is usually like, do I want to pick up the next one? And at first, just like you know, reading like the just seeing the cover and everything like that, I wasn't sure I was going to be that into it. But after we all acted it out. I, it was really fun to do, and I was like, okay, I really want to see where this is going. Oh, yeah. I just want to add one more thing. I noticed for the last flight out and for the Dark Ages, for my comic book store, it kind of like sold out, and I got like the last copies, thank God. And not only that, but a few days later, you know, the prices went up. It basically doubled or tripled its price stand. So, you know, two out of two, that's pretty good. Um, they're hot. Like I suggest, you guys, you know, pick it up if you can. If you can't find it, it's not sold out. And yeah, these are good stories, good comic books. And yeah, they're number one issue. So suggest, you know, go pick them up if you can. Yeah, pick these up while you still can. They're very beautiful to look at. The artwork is stunning. All right, guys. Now we're going to move on to our POW or our pick of the week. This week, we'll start off with uh, L-Terms. My POW for this week is Gods of Brutality. Rockstar Nick Dillon recalls the time he died. From hell, he calls out to the gods for a savior. Once Nick is released from the bounds of hell, Thor and Hercules realize they have to take the journey the old-fashioned way. Follow their journey on Gods of Brutality. Definitely like this one. Mainly because, come on man, any, any book with the guitar and metal in it, I'm in already. And this journey going from hell back to life i'm there too it kind of sounds like dante's inferno so i'm i'm really enjoying the start of this one and so one of four all right young g for my pick of the week it came out on free comic book day uh, street fighter number 100 i didn't read the other 99 issues uh re versus chun li uh, i think it's it was a good comic to give out on free comic book day first of all just because it's it doesn't like throw you out of nowhere or it kind of does but it it's a good starting point to their next I guess adventure. Uh, we we see more so Chun Li's perspective on, I guess what happened after they fought this uh, Manak taking over the world, and they're at a party and they kind of throw down between Ryu and Chun Li. And I gotta say they do a good job uh, displaying what kind of moves they do, like how they do so in the video game. Overall, I think it's a very good uh, pick. I don't know if if anybody could get it from from uh, as a free comic book day, but I think it's something you could buy as a normal issue. All right. That sounds really exciting. But, you know, if I'm picking up a fighting book, I do want it to throw me because, you know, it's a fighting book. Anyway, Matt D. All right. So my pal is Pirate Queen. It was written by Peter Milligan and the art and cover was by Adam Polina. I really like the cover right off the bat. You know, it's an eye candy uh, comic. Not only that, but it was kind of pricey, I might say. <laughs> It went for seven ninety nine, not your typical what three ninety nine comic book. So just want to throw that out there if you want to try to you know spend a little. This is your book here. It's based off a a woman that's a pirate, obviously, and this is for like a mature audience. All right, just throwing it out there right now. Uh, it has adventure. It has some kind of nudity. 
romance, life, I should say, and um, deception, blackmail. And this is like a life of a pirate, you know? This is a great read. And her name is Monday. And the reason why is because her father was drunk and thought it was Monday, but apparently it was Sunday. So that's a good note <laughs> uh, to throw, you know, your daughter's name in, into that. And um, yeah, this is a great find. Uh, it was recommended by my comic book store. And um, yeah, I suggest you guys go pick it up. And again, this is uh, called Pirate Queen. Very exciting. As for my pal, I'm picking Robin number five by Williamson, Melnikov, and Guerrero. Robin number five is the latest in the Robin series following Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne is the son of Bruce Wayne, Batman. And in issue one, you see Bruce kind of send everybody out looking for Damian because he's gone missing. It turns out he signed himself up for a very dangerous tournament. In a couple of issues, you see. Basically, almost everyone in the Batman universe, it's a very thrilling ride in where you can see lots of different people, lots of twists and turns. And, you know, in the end, in this issue, the Bat family finds him and you get to really see how these Robins and past Robins have interacted and, you know, where the real family is in this book. And at the end, you get to see the beginning of the tournament. So pick it up. It's a really good series. All right. Next, we're going to be moving on to our third variant, our state of today, where we'll be covering Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, I want to warn you guys, we're going deep into spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie and you really don't want to get spoiled, uh, I would suggest maybe watching the movie and then coming back and listening to us because we're going to go deep into our theories, into our review, and just our general thoughts on the movie. So guys, what did we think? I thought the movie in general used a lot of the like similar elements how uh, Black Panther kind of did. It was very uh, like you see the culture in the movie, the characters and the and I guess like the dynamics between characters was very on point. In the end, you kind of well in the end you do get like a war scene how you also kind of had in uh, Black Panther where you know it's I guess one tribe or one you know affiliation versus another. I don't know. I I just thought overall it was very good and I think that. And Black Panther like are in that same line in terms of what they did with the plot. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I do like that this movie was more on like the the common level, you know, like Black Panther. He's like the king of Wakanda, you know. So you see him, the royal servants. He's dressed very fine robes, and you know he's got Shuri making all his gadgets. But when you start off with Shang, you know he's just putting cars away, living a simple life. You know, wakes up every day, does some push-ups, you know. He looks all right, you know. He could be doing some more (laughs) push-ups. But, you know, it's just, it's very simple, you know. He goes over to his friend's house, has breakfast with them. And, you know, who doesn't like singing at a karaoke bar, you know. He's just very relaxed, and it's like a more street-level view that you don't really get in a lot of these superhero movies. I mean, I'll agree with you there, but there were some things, like, Young G had brought up where I'm like, I agree with you. Like, this really was one of those kind of, you get to see the culture and stuff. For example, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the beginning of the movie, we get to see some martial arts scenes, and they're very akin to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like, it was that style of movie. And something, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when they were on the in the building with all those bamboo pipes, that was a callback to Rush Hour 2. Yes, I saw that, and I immediately thought Rush Hour 2. That whole thing was a callback to Rush Hour 2. If you guys haven't seen Rush Hour 2, 
Um, I just saw it last night, and that's why I found out. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, the I believe the stunt coordinator or the the guy who does like the fights. Um, I think he recently passed away, but he was a part of the Jackie Chan school oh, where he like go. trained and stuff like that. So that's why a lot of that. Even like the bus fight was like a little kind of like hilarious mixed in with the with the action, you know, where he kicks a dude and then he sits down next to the girl and he's like, what's up? You know, from the beginning, I do like how they kept it traditional, like old school wise, as far as like the culture, like having those subtitles at the very beginning. I'll be like, OK, is this going to be like throughout the whole movie or what? But no, it was like introduction, like the first five minutes of that right away it turns you to like to the present and you could tell like right off the bat and i did like that distinction between you know the traditional past you know culture into the present culture so that was i do like that transition see i have to oppose that i actually didn't like that transition or i didn't like the fact that they went to like that old school yeah it was cool to see like really? you know the homage to crouching tiger hidden dragon but i really didn't like that that's not what i was looking for in this movie like, when I went to go see a Marvel movie, I wanted to see a Marvel movie. I didn't want to see, you know, homage to Hi Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, homage to Rush Hour 2. I wanted to see something maybe a little more original. Maybe, like, I wanted to see the martial arts movie of the Marvel world, which they gave it to me later in the, in the movie. I just didn't want to see those things up front. And that's just me. That was a personal preference. Yeah, man. For me, I do respect that and they do respect their culture and tradition and i think that's the reason why they even like put that in the beginning and like i said they didn't like linger it you know too much you just you know put a little you know spaz into that and then you know move on to you know the current um you know timeline so one thing about shang chi's history is that the, the character was actually kind of a response to bruce lee's movies when they started coming over to the west and people started to get really like in love with that you know, with the Kung Fu wire work and with everything like that. So, you know, that's where the character draws from. So I think it was perfectly fine to have homages, especially to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, all of the history that that entails. I really had a lot of fun with uh, all the action scenes. I thought that it was really well done. Towards the end, it got a little, you know, CGI kind of like. And one of the things that I didn't actually like was when uh, Shang's father and his mother first started fighting and, you know, like, while fighting, they were also kind of, like, half flirting. Like, I mean, they were supposed to be flirting. But, like, she was throwing him and he was, like, looking over to her. And I was like, why Why are you looking at her right now? She's throwing you across the field. Like, stop. Like, I, that's something that I did not like. I thought the choreography in each scene was, you know, okay. Uh, at least all of them were actually really good. I think the, the atmosphere and environment did help build it. Like, as L Chimes was, like, saying how, you know, it jumps from, like, I guess here in the U.S., San Francisco, and then it jumps to an environment where it's, I guess, like, more vintage to what, what was it? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Rush yeah. Hour. And Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon was it too. Yeah, that's cool. That's one movie. Really? Yeah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one yeah. movie. <laughs> i never seen that movie. Oh. Listen, it was great. It, it was great when it came out, but his I name hope is, it holds up. His name is Young G, people, just so you know. His name is <laughs> Young, Young G for a reason. I do like uh, the first fighting scene of uh, Shang-Chi in the bus, you know, yeah. scene. I mean, a lot was going on, you know, even like his best friend, uh, you know, she was like in shock, like, what the heck? You know how to fight? You know, like he kept that, you know, from her and you would think, you know, they, you know, share secrets, but I guess not. And then in my mind, I was like, yeah, all of a sudden he knows like all these moves and he's a good fighter. Like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? You know? And then like later down the road, like, 
he explains like, yeah, okay, he was trained by his father this entire time, and he's just like in hidden mode and blah blah blah. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. All right. I was like, okay, I'll take my two cents back from that. But great scene, and yeah, I very enjoyed that bus fight. Casting did a great job, by the way. The the putting Aquafina with some Lee was actually really good. They played off each other right. really well. Yeah, the, that that definitely. casting did a really good job on this one. I just had one note on the bus scene. It hurt my heart when they ran over those really expensive cars <laughs> and just seeing them get trashed. And I was like, oh, no. Like, who paid for that, by the way? I, that's what I want to know. Probably like, Disney, man. They get to, uh, <laughs> when you get Disney money, you can wreck any car you want. <laughs> and a bus. <laughs> and a bus. And a bus, man. And so, yeah, going back to the whole, um, the chemistry in the whole cast, it was really well done. I mean, Aquafina was great comedic relief. Then we had the original Mandarin come in. Mm. What's his name? Trevor Slattery. Or Ben Kisley. Ben, Kingsley. Yeah. ben Kingsley, yeah. When he came in, oh, man, he just upped the comedy. Like, that so was a good hot. laugh yeah. right there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The headless pig chicken. Morris. 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 Oh, man. That was just literally, like, I can't think of a better casting for this movie than what they already had. Yeah, it was very star-studded. Um, you know, if you're into more of the films and stuff like that, you know who a lot of these actors are. You know their mastery of work. So seeing them all here and you know, it was it was really good. Like the chemistry and everything. Nobody felt out of place. Even uh Razor Fist for being like the only non Asian character, like blended right in, you know. Nobody even really noticed, you know, like he was just really good at playing his character. There was like one line I mean, it happens in every movie that that I didn't really like, you know, when they were in, what is it, uh, Tallow, and they're like, you know, we got to work together to fight these things, and he's like, no, we're not going to do it, and then one of their guys gets sucked up and gets his soul sucked out of him, he's like, all right, you know, we got to work together, like, okay, ha, 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 like, you know, they do that in every movie. I, I really didn't like that part, but that was like one part in the whole movie that, you know, I thought was really good. At least he didn't go, like, Knife to meet you. I mean, come <laughs> oh, <wow>. yeah. <laughs> I think they should have had more characters like that. Like maybe one's like has a you know, instead of a leg, they have a knife. Like just a bunch of like goons that are all I guess upgraded or instead of just the one. I felt like I did feel like that character was out of place because of it. Alright guys, so any theories that you might have about where Shang Chi is going? Yeah, he's going with uh Doctor Strange Pal. What's his name? Wong. <laughs> Wong. Wong. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy question. Next. no i'm just kidding like where is the you know the 10 rings calling for yeah just just any theory with the movie right like anything we we thought of like hey this is where where this next movie's taking us yeah uh this movie is kind of unique in a way where it's like it does feel pretty disconnected from the rest of the mcu obviously you have your callbacks to everything that's going on but at the same time it's kind of very isolated with uh shang and his family so I guess any conversation of theories would definitely include the end credits where Wong takes Shang and Katie into, you know, the sanctum and he's observing the rings and, you know, everybody's like, well, I have no idea what these things are. All we know is that there's a signal in them and they're calling out to something. Now, if we're talking about that particular scene, that's where we also see Bruce Banner for the first time since Endgame, I want to say. but realize what i just said we see bruce banner we're not seeing professor hulk we're not seeing the incredible hulk we're seeing bruce banner with his arm in a sling like he broke his arm so when i saw that the first thought was like oh 
why isn't he Professor Hulk anymore? Which led me down the rabbit hole to be like, man, this is probably taking place in one of the alternate universes that came out of the Loki spinoff. I may be completely wrong, but that's I'm going to use that as my one body of proof, the fact that he's not Professor Hulk. The other things I'm going to point out is we do see Captain Marvel with a fuller head of hair. Like, her hair has grown out since since Endgame. Yeah, that could be Passage of Time, but I'm going to say it's alternate universe. And we also see Abomination fighting Wong. Uh, we haven't seen Abomination since the Incredible Hulk movie with Ed- Edward Norton. And he seems to be, quote-unquote, friendly with Wong. He actually calls, Wong actually calls him by his first name. So uh, it just kind of was leading me to the path that, yeah, I think this is happening in an alternate universe. We also see extremists in the movie. One of the fighters is um, roided out on extremists. And I'm trying to think if there was like one other thing that I thought of. We saw another Black Widow or somebody who was in the Red Room, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as one of the fighters in the, fighting, the, fighters. And the, and the fighting ma- and the cage matches. But the other thing that I was thinking, why this is probably one of those alternate universes, alternate timelines is because of where Talo exists. Talo exists in a different dimension from Earth. So it, I think it's easy for us to to kind of make that conclusion, or at least jump to that conclusion, that we're watching a different timeline, something that happened parallel to Endgame. So yeah, the snap still happened because they still reference it, but they undid it just like in Endgame, but there's minor changes happening all around. My theory, and it's a little out there, so stick with me. We do see Talo, and when we get there, they start talking and... It's like briefly mentioned that Tallow is just like one city, one area, basically of that pocket dimension. And it got me thinking like this place reminds me a lot of Kunlun. And, you know, anybody who's seen the uh, Netflix Iron Fist show knows uh, a lot about Kunlun. Sorry, you saw, you saw that show. Kunlun is basically where Iron Fist hails from. A lot of the Iron Fist mythology deals with dragons. Dragons specifically in the Marvel Universe are sometimes referred to as McClellans. And they're the originators of the Ten Rings. So maybe there's a connection, like they're trying to bring Iron Fist in. You know, the Ten Rings, maybe they do belong to these dragons and that's who they're calling out to. And, you know, the dragons, I don't know. You know, you see the little red strings. I know I'm that, you know, meme right now with the red strings and the McCullens, the dragons, and Iron Fist. Like, just believe me, it's going to happen. As for me, it's a long stretch, but uh, I think the rings, to begin with, I think the rings ignited. I don't think because he put on the rings itself. I think because he also probably broke the seal that was going on in that dimension portal, whatever. And because of that, I think that's the reason why he kind of called out someone into that. Like I said, it's a long stretch and I think it might be calling out Galactus. I think Galactus will be a great overall boss man in the next you know phase for mcu universe and yeah he's pretty cool i he's like one of my top villains i think he's more powerful than thanos that is without the gauntlet of course i don't know how he's related to those rings but i mean come on he's like in the universe galactus old and yeah he could find something like related to those rings whether you like it or not tell you the truth i didn't have any theories until l chimes brought up the whole you know multi-dimensional theories that spider-man's gonna bring what if Wong, like, what if there's only one Wong that's in these universes and he's able to kind of, like, go through each universe? And, like, the reason why he tells Doctor Strange, like, oh, don't, you know, don't mess with that spell, like, in the trailer, in the Spider-Man trailer, because, you know, this and this could happen. Like, what if he knows more than, like, what Doctor Strange does? So, like, a theory I have is what if we see, like, Shang-Chi in Spider-Man, but just, like, as a small, like, walk by or the rings, you know? Something that we've seen in Shang-Chi could appear in Spider-Man again uh, after the whole universes three universes collide we're assuming three that's the only three that kind of popped up as 
uh, El Chimes was talking about his theory, his own theory. And then the last thing, something I didn't add in my theory, just because Mad D brought in Galactus. I don't think they're calling out to Galactus. I think they're calling out to the darkness, which is an entity in the Marvel Universe that's also really old and also is really powerful. So my guess is they're calling out to the darkness. We've actually seen the darkness appear in the comics about a year or two ago in the King Thor stories. The comics have been at least a good indicator of where more or less they're going. So that's my guess. One thing I wanted to say about Young G's theory is that in the comics, when Spider-Man loses his Spider-Sense, Shang-Chi actually teaches him Kung Fu and a whole bunch of other fighting styles. Spider-Man kind of develops his own fighting style called uh, Spider-Fu. And, you know, he basically uses that as a way to get around either things avoiding his Spidey Sense or when he loses his Spidey Sense. So maybe, you know, Shang-Chi and uh, Spider-Man could team up. You know, Tom Holland, get ready to learn some Kung Fu moves. Another theory I had is maybe the rings are calling out to the Celestials. You know, uh, the Eternals movie's coming up. Based on the last trailer, we kind of theorize that there may be something in the middle of the Earth that's trying to awaken. Celestials are pretty big. Those rings fit around, you know, human arms. They're not really, you know, rings like they are in the comic books. So maybe the size of a finger of a Celestial is the size of a human arm. You know, a buff human arm, you know, just, just, you know, not any random human's arm, but, you know, somebody who's been working out, you know, for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, that, that was another one of my theories. It's uh, probably an eternal of some sort. Anybody want to give anything else for their last review? Yeah, one last thing. I mean, overall, this movie shocked me. It was a good surprise. I like, enjoyed it, and, you know, throughout the movie. Comedy, uh, fight scenes were great. Emotion, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of feelings in this. You know, love, hate, disappointment, regret, manipulation, strength, heart, and all that good stuff. You know, it, it had all of that within this one movie so it was great overall and i really enjoyed it and i suggest you know all of you guys who haven't watched it go ahead and watch uh shang chi yeah definitely watch shang chi shang chi um it did not flop as people were hoping or expecting it to it's really good it's uh worth the time to watch yeah i don't know why people wanted it to flop but it was a really good movie i enjoyed it it did have its little things that I personally didn't like, but that doesn't mean the movie itself wasn't good. It was a good movie. Yeah, I agree with all my brothers here. It was a good movie. I enjoyed that, you know, he didn't really have to kill his father at the end. You know, like it would happen in like a traditional movie, like, you know, regret and all that other stuff, you know, leading up to the ultimate fight where, you know, you have to kill your father. Now, earlier in the movie when they were saying like, oh, you know, there's something trapped in there in the darkness and, you know, it reaches out to people and, you know, convinces them of things and stuff like that. I was really hoping for like a Mephisto tie-in, which is basically a meme at this point. Everybody in the Marvel Universe has seen Mephisto all over the place. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess I was, I, I took the bait this time, but I mean, I was hoping to have something that was more indicative of where they were going into the future. And we did get a villain that was the one in Shrouded by Darkness or the one the one found in Darkness or something like that. Part of the Lords of Darkness, an old, old movie or comic book villain kind of thing, along with the villain in the What If series right now that's going on with uh, Doctor Strange and all the tentacles and stuff like that. So, you know, I guess there's a tie-in. It's just a very, very deep cut. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where it's going. But yeah, it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. All right, guys, and that wraps up our issue number four. Next week, we'll be doing Kang number two, and we'll also be doing a discussion segment on how to get into comics. 
Young G promised number five is going to have lots of listeners, so I hope you guys are ready. Please follow us on all our accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Variant Bros, and go to our website at VariantBros.com. I'm the professor, and everything is fine. Hope you get lucky. I didn't yell in the mic. I remember my first grail. <laughs> <laughs>